guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Welcome to a special bonus episode of We Turned Out Okay. It's a bonus episode because this month, the month of March, instead of having alternate just you and me episodes and guest interview episodes as we usually do, we have a, an extra, a third guest interview episode. In fact, it was Brandy Wikely and it went up on Tuesday. So this is the Thursday after that episode. We're, I think, you know, we're we're breaking time here a little bit because through the magic of podcasting, I'm recording this in early March, and it will it will go up in mid March. But uh, it will be the bonus Your Child Explained episode just after the Thursday following Brandy Wikely's episode about stopping the weeknight chaos. And stopping the weeknight chaos, of course, has an awful lot to do with food preparation and getting ready for getting ready for the week. So if you have not listened to that episode yet, it's it's not a prerequisite to today's episode, but it's a really great episode to listen to. And you can find it, I will list it in the show notes. And you can also find it by going to weturnedoutok.com. Brandy Wikely is the name of my guest from earlier this week. And she was really quite an amazing guest. She's a very accomplished relationships writer and journalist from Canada. She lives in Toronto. And uh, it was a really great interview. And I think, you know, if you go back and have a listen, you'll love it. So if you haven't heard it already, go ahead and do that. And today, as I mentioned before, is a Your Child Explained episode where we always get into the heads of our young kids and really see what's going on in there. And the reason for this episode I actually, I kind of decided I wasn't going to do an episode after Brandy Wikely. It just felt like maybe too, too much for me as a podcaster to, to kind of get ready. And for my producer, uh, and, and 18 time winner of the husband of the year award, Benjamin Culp, my husband, uh, I really, I w I had decided basically against it. I thought, you know what, I won't do, a. A Your Child Explained episode for Brandy. And then <laughs> I my hand was forced because the Boston Globe magazine it, at the end of at the very end of February, it was it was February the 28th. Boston Globe magazine did an entire issue called The Family Issue. And it's there are some great articles in there about volunteering with your family, with you with kids even because a lot of places won't let you volunteer if you have young kids. And so there are these great ideas about how to do that. And there's this one article, it was the cover article called The Tyranny of the Picky Eater. And I read this article and I just thought, oh my gosh, I have to address this in my show because it's it's a great issue. It's a great article, especially about what happens with food and kids, what is happening kind of in our culture and in our society these days. Like, why do we have so many picky eaters and are they made or born? I mean, that's really one question that kind of comes up. And what I loved about this article, this particular article by Alyssa Jacoby, which Alyssa, I really hope I'm pronouncing your name right, if you happen to be listening to this. She's the writer of 
this article, The Tyranny of the Picky Eater. And Alyssa writes in a way that does not feel luxury. So I know sometimes as parents, we can really, these are some sensitive issues. You know, people can feel very, very judged. I know I have felt incredibly judged about like what I'm feeding my child. And, and so Alyssa make, writes this article and she, she brings in some of her own experiences as a kid. She brings in her experiences with a stepson. She talks about those things as well as real what's happening with real parents and kids out in the world today she talks to doctors and therapists about this because this is a big deal like kids are kids are growing up now really only sort of able to eat uh you know nuggets and fries or pizza or whatever there's like 11 or 12 foods that most little kids will eat and then they're just not eating important other things that you know that that they should be really and I hate that word should it it does sound very judgy and I don't mean it that way I hope longtime listeners know that I am not standing across from you listening with my finger in your face but instead I am sitting next to you maybe I have my arm around you maybe I have my hand on your shoulder because I have totally been where you are now if you have a picky eater I have been there (laughs) baby I know what that's like so what I thought I would do today is read a couple sections. There's two specific sections of this article. And to get the whole article, you can check it out. You can check out the whole family issue of the Boston Globe magazine on their website, bostonglobe.com. But I'm also going to link to it in the show notes. And so the first section I wanted to read has to do with the idea of selectivity. So, you know, take a listen. Here I go. Some selecticity Let's try that again. (laughs) Alyssa Jacoby writes, some selectivity is a normal part of development, one with evolutionary roots. Kids are most physiologically amenable to liking new foods before the age of two, according to Anne K. Fischel, associate professor of psychology at Harvard Medical School and director of the Family Couples Therapy Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. The disgust emotion, I love that, the disgust emotion, emerges at around age two to help protect the newly mobile from ingesting toxic substances and peaks between the ages of four and eight. But modern parenting and modern life have both exacerbated and prolonged the disgust while also allowing kids to apply it to things that maybe aren't quite disgusting but aren't french fries either. And, well, we let them. Sometimes it's not clear whether a kid is selective or whether they only do mac and cheese because the family only serves mac and cheese because the family is afraid of what would happen if they didn't serve mac and cheese, says Dr. Georgina Garcia, director of the Cambridge Eating Disorder Center's Child and Adolescent Program. And that really, that really gets to the heart of why we have picky eaters, I think. It's because our parenting in our lives, I mean, everybody's so busy, people are running, the, the, there's a lot of kind of in the car food and a lot of like, okay, we'll just, I know how to boil water and pour in the cheese sauce, basically. And it's, it does become this thing where you sort of feel like, oh my God, what if I don't serve mac and cheese? What's going to happen? And I actually have a story to share about that. So firsthand, when our kids were eight and four-ish, maybe a little older, nine, 10, and uh, what's four years less than nine, 10, (laughs) seven, six, seven. When Max and Jay were younger, we did used to basically make 
a variety of things. And if they didn't want those things, we would say, okay, well, you can have cereal, you can have, you know, we maybe sometimes we'd make something else for them. And we, when they were, I would say probably more like 10, Max was 10, maybe Jay was six. We sat down one night and said, okay, tomorrow night's dinner is going to be different. Starting from tomorrow night, we are eating all the same thing. And if you don't want what we have on the table, then you're free to not eat it. And that of that one change, I mean, we really thought there was going to be just this massive rebellion. And they were worried and they asked questions and, and but they, they really handled it well when it came to it. And it's made them far less picky. I mean, sometimes they'll just try things because there's nothing else on the table. So that's my story about that. It This really did work in our house where we, we'd gone from sort of the selective eating selectivity where we, you know, we didn't want, we were a little bit afraid to put anything on the table that wasn't mac and cheese or pizza or whatever. And and we've gotten out of that. So I feel like if if I can do it, so can you. So think about that. Okay, first of all. And then I want to read the second uh, part of this, which is which gets into the idea of like, sometimes I think maybe parents will say, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna make them eat what we want them to eat. And they have to try a little bit or they have to, we're basically forcing them, force feeding them. And, uh, and I, anyway, so I'm going to read this and then maybe I'll talk about it a little bit. But the solution isn't a parent uprising, Alyssa Jacoby writes. A revol- a blah. You know what? I'm going to start again. <laughs> so Alyssa Jacoby writes this. But the solution isn't a parent uprising, a revolution to take back dinner time. Hyper control backfires too, and all experts agree that forcing kids to eat specific foods or at all only makes things worse. For one thing, says Ludwig, who is a doctor at Children's Hospital Boston, coercive parenting practices increase the production of stress hormones like cortisol, which in turn causes kids to pair with those foods or mealtime in general with negative feelings. But hunger, says Ludwig, is a great motivator. We don't have to be afraid of letting the kid get hungry and experience the consequences of the decision not to eat, he says. We need an appropriate division of responsibilities. Parents decide what the kid gets. Kid decides whether to eat it. I love that. I just love that idea. Um, And I know, like, when I look into my own head when I was a kid and I was, you know, there was this kind of standoff at the table. I remember one night we had a standoff about salmon. We were still living in in the town we first when we first moved from Canada we lived in one particular town in Massachusetts and so I know I was at least nine or under when this particular standoff happened because I remember we're at the table my parents have made salmon for everybody um salmon is expensive you're bloody well gonna eat your salmon Karen and I was like no I won't and they eventually my mom and dad sent me to my room with the salmon and I have this memory of shoving it behind my uh, nightstand, like putting salmon behind my nightstand. (laughs) Like standoffs have been a thing that people have tried for a long time, I think, in our society. And what I still don't like salmon. I mean, I still approach it with this really like, okay, I'll, I'll try. But it's at least I'm motivated now to try it on my own. When I see my kids chowing through salmon and how much they love it, um, it wasn't forced on them. I think that's maybe partly why. But it really does get into this idea of forcing them to eat makes things worse. And we really did try that when they were small. Um, and we've gotten out of that habit. I mean, we, we basically, I, I think when I think about these two ideas, this idea of selectivity that Alyssa wrote so well about 
earlier on in this article. And then the idea of forcing kids to eat specific foods and not having this division of responsibilities where parents make the food and the kids decide whether or not to eat it. Those two ideas really point the way for me towards this this other idea, this third idea of having a relaxed family meal that does not focus on food, but more on the fun of sitting down together. And that really, in my family, that's really made a huge difference. We now, mealtimes are stress-free. There's no cortisol because we're, I mean, at least that's from the parents' perspective. Maybe the kids still feel some pressure. Maybe Max and Jay still feel that when we sit down and there's something new at the table. But we, we do work hard to make mealtime an engaging time in our home. And it's not like you have to try that or you can't leave the table kind of, it's not that atmosphere because that did not work for us. And apparently every expert that Alyssa Jacoby speaks to in her article, they all agree that forcing kids to eat only makes things worse. So sitting down together is what is what counts. And that's the fun of sitting down together is what makes the difference between a pleasant family meal and maybe one that's not so pleasant. But we will talk more about that in a future episode. In fact, that's all about all we have time for today. I wanted to give you a quick update on the book that I'm writing for you guys. It's called Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics, Key Tools to Handle Every Temper Tantrum, Keep Your Cool and Enjoy Life with Your Young Child. I principally want to mention in here, although again, this is the magic of podcasting, we're kind of breaking time a little bit. Today's episode will air in the middle of March, and there will be episodes after this episode that talk about the launch date being April the 3rd, Sunday, April the 3rd. And it's become really clear that to make this book better for you guys, I need to back off the launch date by a couple of weeks. So my goal is to have the book live for you in Amazon on my first full day as a 45-year-old, which is April the 17th. And you want to keep that date in mind because Positive Discipline Ninja Tactics will be free for the first three short days that it comes out. And I wanted to share a little bit about like what's been happening, you know, kind of within this launch. So in real time, it's the first week of March. We are now having um, the cover. I, I've, I've put out three cover options into the world and they're all great. And people are really, really talking about them. Um, I love this. This is like my favorite thing. People are sharing about why they like this one or not. Like the same cover. There's one particular cover that is a sunset, has a picture of a sunset on it. And some people are like, that is the cover for me. I love, love, love it. And other people are like, eh, it looks like a dime store romance novel. <laughs> it's one cover and it has such wildly varied uh opinions. It's producing such widely varied opinions. And hopefully, the cover is all settled now. And and perhaps even I could put a picture of the cover into this episode's show notes. We'll see if that can really happen. Um, basically, the three covers that I put out into the world all got a lot of conversation about them, you know, a lot of engagement. And from them, I decided to take one particular cover and modify it slightly so that it's a little bit more ninja tactic and and just a little bit more playful and fun. And so my hope is that that is the cover that is out in the world. And I just want to say thank you for everybody who who voted and who really got back to me and 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 told me, shared your feelings on this because you've been so helpful while I was trying to get the best cover possible. And I think people are going to really respond to it in Amazon, which is where the book is going to be live. 
because of your input. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. To get notified the moment it goes live, to get your FAQs answered about the book, and to download my printable anti-tantrum fridge-worthy infographic, which is just perfect for placing on the fridge where babysitters, grandparents, and older siblings can see it so everybody knows how to handle a temper tantrum in your home. Go to PositiveDisciplineNinjaTactics.com. And thanks so much for listening today. I hope that this bonus episode furthers your thinking on food and your family. Let me know what you think by going to weturnedoutok.com slash contact. Find me on Twitter at Stone Age Techie or on Instagram at weturnedoutokay. And finally, a special thanks to our producer, the man who was instrumental in stopping the tyranny of our picky eaters, the 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Do you have a question about something your kid is doing that is driving you crazy? Well, don't let that continue. As Gordon from Sesame Street always says, asking questions is a good way of finding something out. Put my master's degree in early childhood education and years of experience working with young children to work for you. Go to weturnedoutok.com contact or email me at karen at weturnedoutokay or ask your question on the Facebook fan page, which is the We Turned Out Okay podcast page or Instagram at we turned out okay, or on Twitter at Stone Age Techie, or you can even snail mail it to me, Karen Lock Culp, P.O. Box 61, Bellingham, Massachusetts, 02019, and you'll get your question answered here on a future Your Child Explained episode. We'll see you here for the next episode of We Turned Out Okay. Thanks so much for listening.